Well, good Christmas story. A <laughs> um, couple of links to Christmas. One is they were weary, or Jesus was weary. But he talks too about a gift. And uh, part of the theme we've been looking at through this season is gift. And uh, certainly in daytime, we've had pictures of Christmas presents and unwrapping the gift and that kind of thing. And I just thought, this is an amazing verse. And also, it's a time of harvest. Um, I gather from, it was a minister in Bristol told me, that apparently the Christmas time is when there are the least number of conversions. I find that quite shocking. I think we've got the story wrong. I don't think we tell it as it really is, <laughs> which is amazing and shocking. Christmas was shocking when it first happened, absolutely shocking. <laughs> and so is this story. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that, look at the story, and then think, some of us will be going places that to us are like a Samaria over Christmas, like we didn't really want to go there, we've got to go through it, um, you know, family and friends and neighbours and all that stuff. And, uh, but actually, it's a time of harvest. And wouldn't it be great if it was all turned upside down and we saw this a time when really people know what the gospel's all about? Because that's why we're here, isn't it? I'm a bit anti the fluffy Christmas stuff, as you may know. Um, so that's what I wanted to look at. So we'll just look at the story to start with. But that verse 10, if you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. To me, that sums up the gospel. So the Christmas story, it's shocking. The God of the universe, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, broke all the expectations. He entered our messed up world through a teenage mother, And everyone would have gossiped about that and what was going on. He was born into power struggles and yet came so vulnerable, but sought to undermine the very powers that were ruling the world. So Augustus Caesar was called the Son of God. And they said, oh, here's the Son of God. The King of the Jews was Herod. And they were saying, here's the King of the Jews. He was absolutely coming against all the powers and authorities and yet so vulnerably... He was announced via shepherds, the poorest and despised of them all, and stargazers of all people. And it seems the religious people didn't get a look in, which is kind of sobering. And this story, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. He was weary. He sat on a wellside. It was midday, hot. And then a woman comes along. Now, it was forbidden for Jewish men to speak to women in public even their own wives. But this was also a Sumerian woman. (laughs) It was also forbidden for Jews to even speak to Samaritans. They were not allowed to have fellowship with them. And her sexual behavior, well, where was she coming from? We don't know everything, do we? But clearly, it was a bit unusual for a woman to be getting water in the heat of the day from a well on her own. So Jesus was breaking all the rules, just like God did when Christmas first occurred. And one of my questions is, looking at this story, 
how do we react to those that repulse us? Because the upbringing of the Jews was Samaritans and women of this sort were repulsive. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult question. I find it difficult to answer. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your uh, family. (laughs) Now, the well was deep, it says. Interesting, the lady, this woman, uses a, a word which Jesus doesn't use, and it's a pit She says, oh, the well is deep. How are you going to draw water? And she uses a word which means a pit or a dungeon. But actually the word Jesus uses, and is used at the beginning of the chapter, is a word meaning a well, a springing up, a place of life and water. And it seems to me there's a big allegory going on here, that this woman had deep issues. (laughs) Um, Like all of us, actually, before we get to know God, and he sets us free. We have deep issues, don't we? In 1886, there was an explorer, or a chap called Anderson, and he discovered this well. Apparently, it had a four-foot-long neck. It was just wide enough to, to get down through the neck, if you put your hands up. And then it opened out to a 75-foot drop down to the water. Um, in the 1600s, another person said they found the same well, and it was a 105-feet drop then. And other writers, much earlier on, say that the well could have been as deep as 240 feet. That's a heck of a well, isn't it? That is deep. My brother had his kitchen refurbished over the last three months, actually. It was meant to be an easy job. And they found a well in the kitchen. It's an old house. And it was just where she used to stand, my my sister-in-law, and do all the washing up. (laughs) So a bit of a shock. And it cost them quite a bit to get it filled in. It was only 20 feet deep, but she said it was frightening to look down this dark pit in what was her kitchen. Um, Yeah. But this could have been, well, certainly 100 feet deep. And you know, all of us, we have a depth, don't we, where we need God to meet us. And that's what this story is about. So the conversation. Give me a drink. What? (laughs) What? You're asking me, a Samaritan, a woman, to give you a drink? It shocked her. If you knew, said Jesus, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says this to you, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. He turns the whole thing round. And she says, yes, please. (laughs) So then Jesus has this conversation about a bit of honesty. Well, go and get your husband then. And she's very honest, isn't she? She says, well, actually... I haven't got a husband. And she said, yeah, you've had five, haven't you? And now you're living with someone who isn't your husband. I find it really interesting, because when she goes back to the village, the big message she's got is, he told me everything I ever did. It's a kind of strange thing to advertise, isn't it? (laughs) So there must have been something about the way Jesus said this that drew her heart, that even though he knew everything about her, There was no condemnation. Otherwise, it would be a very strange thing to go back. Well, think of your own life. And run back to the office and say, hey, guess what? I've just met someone who knew everything that I ever did. (laughs) But she was delighted. And then they have this conversation about worship. And in the end, she left her water pot 
and went off back to the village to tell all her friends about this encounter. This conversation about worship, it says you need to worship the Father in spirit and truth. It's really interesting. Jesus uses the word Father there, which was just mind-blowing. Not God, but Father, relationship. And in spirit and in truth, and I've been struggling, what does that really mean? And I haven't phoned Mark up to find out. Um, or, because <laughs> he probably doesn't know. <laughs> or Rob Dutch, for example. But what does it really mean? It means something, spirit is deep, it's huge, it's, it's, it's boundless. It, what is spirit? It's, it's everything, isn't it? it, it cover, it's everything. And truth. There was a real honesty about this woman's worship. Real honesty. And Jesus is asking us for honest worship. <laughs> I know I'm messed up. But actually, there's hope in you. That's worship, isn't it? It's not... I used to think it meant uh, worship in spirit and truth. Truth means doctrine. You know, you get it all right. You go to college and you learn what it means and you tick the boxes and, and then you can worship. I don't think it means that at all. It means honesty, integrity, reality. I can worship you in spirit and in truth. All I am in truth because I'm messed up, but you're wonderful. That's the message, isn't it, of this scripture. And this gift of God, it's a word that's used always of supernatural, if I can put it like that, the spiritual. It's a word that Peter uses in Acts when he turns to Simon and says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God, that is the Holy Spirit, could be bought with money. And Paul kind of cries out in Corinthians, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift of life, Jesus Christ himself, the Holy Spirit. And there's a verse I came across which I want to speak to someone in particular. I've never done this before here, or anyone else, actually. It's for Marky. And it says this, I became a minister of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. And were to become ministers of the gospel through the gift of his grace. Right? That's it. Bless God for the gift of his grace. Mm. So, I've got two questions, really, at the end of this. Well, first of all, actually, I did ask a question at the beginning. What, who is it that we find is difficult, repulsive, if you like? But the Jews could handle that. I think the harder question is, how do you treat Jesus? Because the Jews couldn't handle that. Because he broke all their rules. Because he had life. And he longed for them to have life. But they wouldn't have it. So there's two invitations here. One is, I think, for all of us, in this time of running around and doing stuff and looking at the Christmas story and all this familiarity, (laughs) the essence of it is that God wants you to have life that is indescribable beyond our imagination that deals with the very pit of us 
the deepest, deepest wells of our beings. He wants to make them living. That is a miracle. And it's impossible, but for the grace of God. So there's an invitation for all of us, isn't there? But also, if this is a time of harvest, as it comes at the end of the chapter, this is for those we're meeting over this season, isn't it? Those awkward neighbours, your sister-in-law, and you name it. <laughs> I'm not looking at anyone in particular, please. <laughs> hmm. So what I wanted to do, actually, is just lead into a bit of prayer, because I long for a time when, actually, what an opportunity we've got speaking to our friends and family and stuff. And it's not always easy, is it? And it's presence and stuff. But here is something on offer which is indescribable and unbelievable. And I'd love us to pray that we have those conversations with our sons, our brothers, mums and dads, aunts, uncles, neighbours. Because that's why Jesus came. And that's why I wanted to use this story on this day. Because actually what he has come to do and all the boundaries he broke on that Christmas day, which we fluff up and make look so nice, actually, they were not nice. It was hard. It was difficult. It was, yeah, challenging. So shall we do that? Let's just spend a bit of time in quiet. If you want to pray up for particular situations or for yourself or neighbours or whatever, let's do that. And there's tonight, of course, the carol service. I don't know how many neighbours are going to come in and what have you, but we want the truth to go out, don't we? that Jesus came to set people free. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So that's our time of prayer, shall we? Shall we just stand up, and then we'll just spend a few minutes quiet. If you want to pray up, that's great.